It's a preaching marathon tonight. Uh, line up the preachers. Good job, Stephen. Very good. I don't know if I would least prefer challenging you to a preach-off or a dance-off. What do you think, man? Preach-off? Both? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No. I'll have to stretch first. Uh, I'm, I'm 50. It doesn't move like that. Open your Bibles to the book of Malachi. Still in the sermon series entitled Short-Winded Sermons, and we're taking a look at the minor prophets. Malachi is probably the one you can find the quickest because Malachi is where? It's the very last book in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. Who was Malachi? What do you know about him? I'll answer that for you. You know nothing about him. The word Malachi actually just means messenger, so it's not a proper name. So there's probably not a guy named Malachi, it just means messenger. So honestly, the last book in the Old Testament is, is more or less anonymous. It's like, naming a, it's, it's like naming a book preacher or something like that. It just means messenger. So there's not a prophet whose name is Malachi as far as we know. However, there was a, a, a messenger, a, a preacher who preached a, a mighty message from God sometime right before, we think, right before the ministry of Ezra and Nehemiah. It's right in that, in that space of time. Uh, it's a really interesting, of all of the minor prophets, Malachi may be one of my favorites. I just absolutely love uh, the message of Malachi. There are a, a series, actually, of challenges, almost like you're in court, going back and forth with the, the, the suit against God's people who uh, continue, despite God's goodness and God's blessings, they're actually tired of God. God makes them tired. And uh, if that's not enough, God says, well, you make me tired too. And that's kind of where Malachi is. There's a, a weariness, a lukewarmness with the people, and Malachi's preaching into that. Let's start in chapter 3. Let's just go to chapter 3, starting about verse 13. You ever, I, I'm, this probably never happened to you, but you ever been talking about somebody and then all of a sudden you realize that they're like behind you? Has ever happened to you? Oh, what's that like? Awkward, to put it lightly, it can be very, very awkward. And then you start thinking in your head, you're going over everything you said, thinking, did I say anything, did I say anything bad? What, what, what did they hear? How much did they hear? It's a horrible kind of feeling. It's, it's bad enough sometimes to, to be talking right to people, but to be overheard, to realize that somebody overheard what you were saying when you didn't realize they were listening. This is exactly what Malachi is going to talk about here in, in the last part of, 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 his, of, of his message. Again, I'm saying Malachi like he's a real guy. We'll, we'll assume that he is. We'll, we'll talk that way. But Malachi, the messenger, uh, brings up in verse 13 that very thing. That God's been listening to you, and uh, he knows what you've said. So let's start right there. Malachi chapter 3, verse 13. You have said terrible things about me, says the Lord. But you say, what do you mean? What have we said against you? You have said, what's the use of serving God? What have we gained by obeying His commands or by trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we're sorry for our sins? From now on, we'll carry, uh, we'll, we will call the arrogant blessed. For those who do evil get rich, and those who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with each other, and the Lord listened to what they said. In his presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. 
They will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's armies. On the day when I act in judgment, they will be my own special treasure. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child. Then you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. The Lord of heaven's armies says the day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. On the day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's army. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all Israel. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. So just quickly, go back to verse 13. The Lord says, I heard you talking about me. I heard you talking about me, and you said some ugly things about me. Yeah. Again, that's awkward. That's awkward, because it's almost as if they didn't realize he was listening. And we live our lives that way, don't we? We live our lives running our mouths, talking, and not really always being aware of the fact that God never, ever turns down the volume of your life. It's always listening. He hears every word. And he says to his people, I, I, I heard the ugly things you said about me. And they said, what things? We wouldn't say anything ugly about you. If we said anything about you, it was all good, Lord. It was all good. And the Lord says, no, no, I heard what you said. What did they say that's terrible? The Lord says, these are terrible things. What did they say? Verse 14, you have said, what's the use? What's the use of serving God? Remember, the Lord said, you've said terrible things about me. And what did they say? What's the use of serving God? What's their complaint? It's against God. It's terrible, the Lord says. It's offensive to Him. This sort of attitude is offensive. The attitude that says, what good does it do to serve the Lord? Well, what do they say? What have we gained by obeying His commands or by trying to show the Lord that we are sorry for our sins? What have we gained? From now on, we'll just call the arrogant blessed. For those who do evil, they get rich. And those who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. And God says, you are saying terrible things about me. The problem is, turns out he has been listening. That's exactly the kinds of things we say, or at least we think. We think these things. Why would anybody think, or why would anybody say, what's the use of serving God? Does it ever just seem useless to to do what's right? You're afraid to speak because you know God's listening, right? Why does it sometimes seem useless? Why does it seem like sometimes you just don't gain anything by, by obeying God? Why do you think, Jack? We have a misunderstanding Yeah. Remember that in life, your level of disappointment is always related to your expectations. 
Your, your expectations will determine whether or not you're satisfied or disappointed with the way things turn out. And, and so, obviously, sometimes our expectations are probably poorly formed when it comes to the things of the Lord. We, we expect some kind of reward. What kind of rewards would we expect? Good health. Yeah, if I always serve the Lord, if I always do what is right, then God will see to it that I never get sick. There are literally people who believe literally that. I I will not get sick. God will never let me get sick, not even a headache, but because I serve Him, and He's going to keep me in good health. What else? What kind of rewards? Yeah, prosperity. I'm going to always be successful. If I'm living to please God and God's going to bless me, God's going to reward me, then obviously I'll be successful in everything I do. I'll be prosperous. Yeah, hopefully that'll even turn into money in the bank. Yeah, if, if I mean, God's going to bless me, right? So I'll be rewarded. What else? Yeah, your children will will be model citizens. Your children will never talk back to you. Your children will never wipe a booger under the couch. Your children are going to be absolute beautiful children of gold. You understand? They are going to never, ever disappoint you. They're going to be beautiful men and women of God, your children. Yeah, we expect that. If I always take them to church, if I always teach them what is right, then they will grow up and they will… Never leave that. Yeah, there's that basic expectation. So, are you telling me not to expect any of these things? I had a guy that came back to me years later. He used to be in my youth group, and uh, his marriage ended in divorce. And he was really mad at me. I mean, he was really, really mad at me. He was mad at me because he said that I said to him one time that if he, would, if he would stay sexually pure until he was married, that God would bless his marriage. He said, that was a lie. What do you think? Is it useless to serve God? I, I mean, honestly, if, if really it doesn't turn out any better for us than it does for people who don't, try hard to serve God, then what's the use? Isn't that what the people say? God says, you're saying terrible things about me. When you say that, when you think that, you're saying terrible things about me. So help us. What's the dilemma? Is there no reward whatsoever for serving God? Well, there's eternal life. The the, the little thing that we call eternal life. Yeah. In the life to come. And this is part of Malachi's message here, that you really don't see some of what happens because you haven't seen the Lord act yet in His justice. You haven't seen the rewards or the punishments doled out yet. You haven't seen what God does yet. Don't think that you have. There's a day coming, the great day of the Lord, when then He will reward the righteous and He will punish the wicked. That's what Scripture says. You haven't seen that day yet. You haven't seen how this thing turns out, and don't ever be mistaken, the score's being kept. What else? 
Remember what Jesus said when one day he said, you know, which of you, if, if, you're, this, if you're the master and you have servants, what master, uh, when the servant comes in after a long day of work, what master says to the servants, listen, sit down, let me take care of you a while. You, you look like you've had a hard day. You're such a good servant. Let me serve you. Let me make you supper. Let me put shoes on your feet. Let me take care of you. Jesus said, that's ridiculous. The master's going to come in and say to the servants, listen, why don't you feed me and do your job, and then after that you can go home. You understand? It's something that's just called duty. He's the master, we're the servants, and there's no reward for just doing your duty. Any of you ever raise kids? Any of you ever have the kid that says, you walk in and say, son, I need you to take the trash out. And the kid says, well, what do I get if I do it? You ever had that kid? What do I get if I do that? Yeah. Well, you might get to keep living here, but that's kind of up in the air. We used to teach our son that there's certain things that you do that's just part of being in this family. There's no reward for it. There's no money for it. You're not even going to, may not give a thank you. Understand? You're part of the family. And you do your duty as a part of the family. That's just how it works. And honestly, you're part of God's family, and we serve Him because He's God. And we are servants. And so we shouldn't necessarily always turn around saying, well, what am I going to get for that? Am I going to get ahead for that? Am I going to get gold stars for that? God, are you watching me? You taking my picture on this one? Because I'm serving you big here. It doesn't really work that way. He is God and, and we are His servants. And God says, you've said terrible things about me. You've said terrible things about me. Then verse 16, this is interesting. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with each other, and the Lord listened to what they said. He never, ever quits listening. You get this? In his presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. That's a very interesting promise to the faithful. What does that say right there? There are sort of casual conversations. You're not even aware necessarily of what's happening, but, but you just have a conversation with another believer. And what kind of conversation is it? Surely you've had them before. You, you encounter another believer, somebody who loves the Lord and, and honors and reveres the Lord like you do, and, and you have a conversation about God, a, a spiritual conversation. Have you ever had one of those? And, and you talk about how God is good, and, and you talk about what He's done for you, and, and you just pour out your hearts to one another, and, and you're just sharing together the, the beauty and love of the Lord. And Scripture says what about that? God listens in, but it's even more than that. What else does it say? God not only listens into that, he, he, he listens to what you're saying about Him then too, but He does something really interesting. In His presence, something happens. Yeah, a scroll of remembrance. What does this mean? What's the promise here? Somebody put it in language we can all understand. Yeah, but, it, but it's a peculiar kind of deed here. What is it in particular that, that always gets written down when it happens? Yeah, when you do things that honor my name, but among the things that we can do that honor him, well, what's, what's the promise right here? 
Yeah, the conversations that you have where you just talk about the goodness of God, the the conversations between believers, when we just get together and we talk about, boy, ain't God good all the time, God actually takes a transcript of that and writes that down. He, He keeps a note of that. I just think that's beautiful. It's just something really beautiful about the fact that when God's children just talk about how good He is and how much we love Him, that, that God takes note of that. A scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared Him and always thought about the honor of His name. They will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And on the day when I act in judgment, they will be my own special treasure. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child. Then you will see. Then you will see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and between those who do not. Then you will see. You'll see what? You're going to see the difference. You're going to see the difference between what happens to those who fear and honor God and those who do not. You're going to see that one day. You don't necessarily see it now. Right now, it looks like the people who just live like hell, it looks like they get famous. They'll get their own reality television show. They can become rich. You can become rich if you just want to be totally godless. That will make you a celebrity. You can actually seem to get ahead. If you want to lie, cheat, and steal, you can probably get a promotion where you work. But if you do it the right way, if you try to be honest, if you try to just keep your nose clean and and do your job and and treat everybody right and and, and not gossip and and just be honest, understand that may not necessarily earn you any, any bonus at Christmas. The world's just not necessarily structured in such a way where the rewards go to those who do good and the punishments go to those who do evil. That's not the world we live in. But it is the, the way the kingdom of God operates, and that's why the Lord says, you're going to see one day. You will see the difference. You don't see it today, so don't be misled by the appearances. There's a day coming. Chapter 4, the Lord of heaven's army says, the day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. One of the cool things about living in the country, especially in the, in the late summer, fall, is when farmers will burn off a field. You ever, you ever seen that happen? It's just awesome to see that giant fire just raging and moving across that, that, that grass field. Why do farmers do that? The, the ashes themselves, the, what's left after the fire actually feeds the soil. Yeah. What else? Yeah, you're getting rid of, of, of what is not desirable, getting rid of the broom sage, uh, Larry says. You're getting rid of the weeds and making room for, for, the, for the good crop to grow. There's that burning off. And, and this is what the day of the Lord is going to be like. The day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They'll be consumed, roots, branches, and all. But for you who fear my name, get this, the son of righteousness, not son, S-O-N, because that's what you expect, it'd be about Jesus, but the son, S-U-N, like the sun in the sky, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. What? Does the son have wings? 
It just got weird. The sun will rise with healing in its wings. Sun have wings? In the ancient world, they often thought of the sun with its rays, the sun's rays as being something like wings. And so the rays of the sun were the way that the sun moved itself across the sky, sort of like wings. It's that kind of image. The sun of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, that sun shining, rising upon us like a brand new day, a brand new morning. And you will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out to pasture. Now, here, I'm going to give some redneck a chance to shine. Tell us about calves being let out to pasture. What's that about? You, you fatten them up, you lead them out in the pasture so that they can eat? Yeah. But, but what is this? You'll go free, leaping with joy like calves let out to pasture. What do calves do when you turn them out of the barn like that? They just run wild. What's it look like? What do they do? Yeah, it's really fun. They, they leap, they jump, they, they kick up their back feet, they kick up their heels. And this, again, is a picture of what it's going to be like for us on that day. We will go free, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. On the day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. On that day, you'll see. You'll see the difference. You will see the rewards and punishments because God is a God of perfect justice, but you, you don't see that now, and that is because He is a God of grace. Just uh, one last note. I, I always think it's somehow beautiful and interesting that the very last word in the Old Testament is this last word from Malachi. I think it's interesting that of all of the things you could predict, prophesy about the coming Messiah and what he will do, it's interesting that it's a, it's a promise about families. Do you see that? I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. The last of the Old Testament prophecies here about the coming of the Messiah and, and the one who will come before him, John the Baptist, the prophet Elijah. It's a promise about families. Why, why would that be so important? Of all the things to prophesy, it's, it's a healing of families, fathers and sons. Yeah, it's a, it's a prodigal son kind of picture of the way Jesus brings healing between us, the, the children of God and our Heavenly Father. That's good, Jack. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. Satan works extra hard to tear families apart. He, he really does. Um, at this particular moment in our church's life, I feel like we're living some of this. I, I feel like the devil, the enemy, uh, is especially attacking families and, and marriages in our congregation. Um, some of you in this house tonight, I don't know, but some of you in this house could be really having really serious marital problems. And the thing is, you don't think anybody else ever has the problems you have. And, and, and that is part of the lie that the devil tells you, that, that you're the only ones who struggle like you do, that you're the only couple that hadn't had sex in six years. The, the devil tells you that because he wants you to be isolated. He, he doesn't want you to know 
how much like everybody else you are. He doesn't want you to be able to turn to one another and, and find help or healing. It is the devil's oldest trick in the world. If he can just tear down families, if he can hit us where we live at home, then he just devastates us. And as a church, if, if we had the energy that we spend in, in simply living in stressful home lives, it, it, it's exhausting to be trapped in a miserable marriage. It's exhausting to struggle with kids that are prodigal. And uh, that is energy that could be used for the kingdom, but instead it's energy that we spend uh, in desperation uh, with, with, with family strife. It's one of the promises, and the very last promise in the Old Testament is that promise that, uh, that the Lord will bring healing for families. Uh, I just want you to know that this is a promise for your family too. He can turn your hearts back toward each other if, if, if you let Him. It's not just a promise for other people, it's a promise for you too. Uh, listen to the Word of the Lord. Any final thoughts? Anything? Yeah. Yeah, if we kept our own book of remembrance, Rhonda says, it might keep us out of a lot of trouble. Uh, too often what we say, what we do, we don't even remember. It just, it's, it's gone like cotton candy in our mouths. We just uh, don't even keep up. But the Lord remembers. He, he remembers. And one day He'll hold us accountable. Uh, for the things we've done and the words we've said. Yeah. Let's stand together. Let's have a word of prayer. It is still before 7 o'clock, and you had two sermons tonight, people. Two sermons. It is a, a Sunday miracle, uh, and it's good. Let's pray. God, we love you, and we love your word, and we thank you so much for the way Stephen Ham has brought your word tonight. And we thank you, Lord, for the beautiful way this congregation can live out the promises of your word. God, we thank you for the promise that one of these days, Lord, the score will be settled and rewards and punishments will be distributed in you in perfect justice and grace. God, help us to serve you, not so much because we expect a reward, but because you are a great and awesome God and we were created to serve you. We find our joy, we find our meaning, uh, belonging to you is in itself the greatest reward. So may we spend this week, Lord, in your presence. May we mind the words of our mouths, and may you, O oh God, keep in your book all of the things that we say and do that one day, Lord, when we stand before you, we might hear words well done. Lord, as we go home tonight, will you go before us? Will you Fill our houses with your Holy Spirit. Will you help us to love each other and forgive each other and believe in each other? Lord, sometimes inside our families, we say terrible things, hurtful things, things that we don't mean, and sometimes things that we mean desperately. God, sometimes damage is done, and it becomes very difficult to imagine that it can be healed. Lord, you've promised that one of the things you do best is turn the hearts of children back toward parents and parents toward the children and hearts of husbands back toward wives and wives back toward husbands. So, Lord God, will you do this miracle in our families, in our homes? Will you bless us, Lord, as we go home tonight? Will you teach us how to love each other and will you help us to love you, O oh God, most of all? 
We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you so much. Have a great week.